0: Next is Mark chapter 4, Mark chapter 4, and uh, we're going to look at verses 3 through 6 and and then I'll uh, have a word of prayer and get into it. But i tell you what, uh, it is interesting uh, how things happen, you know, just here we are, we've got uh, Thanksgiving coming up, Uh, school's out this week for the most part. Uh, we've got other things going on. Yep, people are in the hospital, other things going on. Uh, people are talking about Christmas. Uh, people are talking about this or that. And, and um, usually with me, I'm saying, oh, what's for lunch? And, uh, you know, that's, that's my greatest concern in life. But I also wanted to say to you, I stand down front before the services begin, or at the end of the services, should I say, at the end of the services, you'll see me down front in front of the table here. I'd love to shake hands, greet you. I don't get to Read everybody out in the audience. And so, uh, if you're one of those that say, Peter, didn't shake my hand, you come by and I'll shake your hand. I, I really will. And, uh, and I actually watched it this week just to make sure it was all right. So, uh, come on by. All right. Our text is found here in Mark chapter uh, 4. And, and we're going to look at verses uh, 1 through, well, I might just go on all the way through uh, verse 6 on this. Starting with verse 3. Uh, we'll start and go through six, but I titled this message, Rocky Roads, and you'll see as we get, progress in the message why I've called it that. So in verse three it says, and this is Jesus talking, he's speaking to a multitude from a ship, and they're listening. He says, hearken, behold, there went out a sword to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and the fowls of the air came and and devoured it up. And some fell on stony ground, where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, It was scorched, and because it had not uh, uh, death, you know, it didn't have that death, it withered away. And so, we see in just those first two illustrations, seed is sown in places where it may not get to produce. Uh, But the seed does not seem to be the problem. The problem is the soil. The soil of our heart. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll see what the Lord has to say to us today. Now, Father, I pray as we look into your word again, Lord, I want to rightly divide it. I want to stand behind your word and behind the cross and let people see Jesus and what He expects of us. That's the most important thing. Lord, if there's someone here without Christ today, I pray that today would be the day that they come to know Him as their personal Savior. I pray, Lord, that if uh, there's a Christian that is wayward someone's wandering, seeking the will of God, I pray that you would speak to them this day, this very day, in your Word, in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, last week I uh, preached uh, the first message uh, here from this Parable that Jesus gave of the sower. And in doing that, I gave you a, an illustration of two men that uh, went through, you might say, some stony grounds themselves, some soil that uh, the birds wanted to pick away. The first was Lee Robertson. Here's a man, great talent. In Nashville, they were offering him a great contract to make him a rich man. But he was just a young preacher boy, wasn't even married yet, but pastoring a church. He didn't live in an apartment, he lived in one little classroom in the back of the church that he'd have to clean up for Sunday because they'd use that for a Sunday school class, a little small country church. But he knew he had the call of God, and so he said no. He turned that down, he turned that huge contract down to serve the Lord. And he had a great singing voice. Then we spoke of George Beverly Shea and how at a time during the Depression, he was uh, offered contracts to sing. And in 1933, I believe it was, he was there and put together the tune for the word, uh, for the, of the, to go with the words of the song, I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. But it was a hard time. But in each case, these men made a choice. We titled uh, the sermon back last week, Make or Break. Now, a definition of make or break is that factor which decides whether something will succeed or fail. Had Robertson or Shea accepted those contracts, they would have failed in the call of God on their life. We have that with Make or Break today. For example, uh, and this is not on a spiritual level at all, but the soundtrack can make or break a production. Hollywood will tell you that. That, that's very important there. The music of today, the, whether it's a video of some kind or thing of that nature, uh, I understand that uh, it's, it, got, it almost gets the blows about the background, the music, the, all that goes into that. And so they're concerned about the, te- uh, the, the soundtrack being just right, that it comes out just right. And so that's a big thing in that day, in, in this day. It makes or breaks the song. It makes or breaks whatever's being uh, produced for TV or whatever else. Well, in Christianity, in salvation, there is something that makes or breaks. That is faith. Faith makes or breaks. Faith makes unbelief breaks. What seems to be negative to, to us? And it keeps us from fellowship with God, be it in our Christian life. Or, for that matter, if it has to do with salvation, which salvation has to be first before you can even have fellowship with God. So, you've got to have salvation if you're going to have fellowship with God. But, faith is where way you stand. But unbelief, unbelief will break you. And so the make or break is depending on whether or not your belief is a full and total yielded commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ to live by His Word and to do His will. You see, the all-knowing God, The all powerful God is the sovereign God. Now, by sovereignty, the sovereignty of God, we simply mean this God's right to do what He wants with all that is His, and as the Creator, everything is His. As the only potentate, now I know that that'll offend Catholics perhaps, but the Bible says that he alone is the only potentate. Potentate means absolute ruler. Now the Catholic Church has had a lot of potentates, but they all died. This is a potentate that will never die. You see, he is the only absolute ruler. He's the creator of the world. He is from everlasting to everlasting. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of Lords. He is the God of Gods. And so fellowship is on the basis with that almighty God, with that King of Kings. Fellowship is on the basis of what he says fellowship is. Now understand, the word fellowship in the Bible, in the overwhelming majority of the times, that it appears, both Old Testament and New Testament. About every time that you see that word, is speaking of partnership. It refers to a partnership. That's what a fellowship is. It's a partnership. Uh, In the Bible days, Old and New Testament, sometimes fellowship, that word in the Hebrew and that word in the Greek, was used to, speak of the relationship between a husband and a wife. It was a partnership, and a partnership they would have a home together, and a partnership they would raise children together, and a partnership. That is a partnership. That is a fellowship. Um, And then a fellowship has a meeting that pretty well uh, is used in this day that also has a uh, meeting that would correlate with the Bible. And that uh, happens for an example. Let me just use President Clinton as an example. And uh, listen, I didn't support his, I didn't vote for him really, and I didn't uh, support a lot of his policies, but he was a very smart man, okay, he, he was, I mean, he was very, very smart. Newt uh, Gingrich is, okay, he's considered a smart man, he said, if Bill Clinton's in the room with me, he's the smartest man in the room, and, and um, uh, so he's a smart man, he was a Rhodes scholar. He earned a fellowship in England. You say, now, a fellowship. Yeah, you see, in a fellowship, they give him an advanced education. The opportunity to work freely, advanced education, everything taken care of. In return, all of his research or her research, if it's a lady that received a fellowship at the university, becomes full. Property of the university—that's a fellowship. That's why in marriage it's called a fellowship. What's mine is hers. What's hers is hers. <laughs> oh, no, <laughs> no. What's hers is mine. What's mine is hers. Okay, it's a fellowship. Now today we use the word fellowship. We're talking about. Uh, we went to Sunday school class, got together, and we had a fellowship. Now, you're really talking about you had a party, okay? But you don't like to use the word party. It doesn't sound sophisticated. You know, so we, we, we say uh, fellowship. But actually, uh, a fellowship is a partnership. And that really just brings me to the first point, because that's what we talked about last week, but now we're looking at stones on a stony ground. Last week, we looked at something different, and we're going to say more about that when we get down there, but uh, back to it. But the stony ground... Really, they're the stones of unbelief. Because when there is unbelief in your heart, the soil lacks depth. Unbelief poisons the soil so that the truth can't grow. And so, when those things that happen in life they, they, they seem to be negative to us, it's negative to you, and it'll keep you from fellowship with God. Uh, you must realize you partner with God even in the hard times when it seems like everything is going against you. As I said this week they're looking at Thanksgiving, okay, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you, the Bible says, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If that's God's will, in everything give thanks. Now, we may not enjoy everything. Look at the cross. The Bible didn't say, man, Jesus is up there and he just really enjoyed the cross. Boy, he was just having a great time up there. No, he wasn't. The Bible says that he despised the shame. Hebrews chapter 12. But for the joys set before him, he endured it. And see, those negatives you endure because God had a purpose for allowing them in our lives. Because then increased reward. Don't you think Lee Robertson and George Beverly Shea, their ministries were enhanced? When at a hard time in their life, an opportunity to lead the Lord's work, they rejected to stay true to the Lord. Oh, it's hard. But you know what? The Lord blesses in His time. He does the work in His time. So, be it in your Christian life, or if it has to do with salvation, as I said before, it's first because you can't have true fellowship with God unless you're saved. You have to have Christ in you. But we think of this, in the book of 1 John, and not the Gospel of John, 1 John, chapter 1 it says, that which we have, uh, which was from the beginning, which we have heard, and which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, in our hands have handled of the word of life." Now think of that. He is telling us these are eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. I mean, you must be there. You must have been a part of it to know that these eyewitnesses, what they're saying unto you is the truth. These eyewitnesses, it is plural. It said, we. He didn't say, which I saw. He said, which we. We. More than one witness. As a matter of fact, in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, excuse me, chapter 15, it says, that above 500 people after his resurrection saw him alive. Above 500 And it says his life was manifested in verse uh, verse 2 and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father. And with his son, Jesus Christ. Now you think about that. When you receive the Father, uh, Jesus Christ, your Savior, remember Jesus told the apostles, I will come in and my Father and I, and we will make our abode. When we pray in Jesus' name, why? Because he's our intercessor. That's his work in the Trinity. But he's right there with the Father. And the fact that we've got the Holy Spirit, the moment you receive Christ your Savior, the Holy Spirit came to indwell you. When you pray, the entire Trinity is involved to hear you. The Holy Spirit is to guide us so we don't pray to fulfill our lust of the flesh. We don't pray to uh, fulfill things that uh, God doesn't really want fulfilled. He leads us in how to pray. And as we pray according to His will, then we know that we have those things that we ask of Him. But you see, you must understand that this is the first step in partnering with God. You're partnering with the Trinity. Wow. That's what we're doing. But because we partner with God, just like Jesus Christ, although not to the extent that He had, not not even near the extent. We won't suffer as he suffered. But, just because you're in him, doesn't mean that the, what they call the negatives of life, the hard things of life, no, they'll still be there. So, what they're saying then, is they're trying to teach uh, and direct these people In this writing, they're trying to direct the people for them that they could uh, have to do with the Trinity so that they would know how to live life in a fellowship, in a partnership with God. And by the way, he said, with us, with us, fellowship with us. And so, we can have the fellowship with God just like the apostles. We can have that fellowship with God just like the apostles. That's he says. That's the reason we're writing it to you there in 1 John. But unbelief in any of this, in any of his word, keeps one from fellowship with God. God does not partner with unbelief whether we're dealing with separation from the world worldliness as a christian or as an unsaved person you're receiving jesus christ as your lord and savior through repentance now i said repentance not due penance repentance you're turning from self and sin you're turning to Jesus Christ to do what you can't do. Take away your sin. Pay your penalty in full, which he did. Apply his blood to your account. We're turning to him in repentance and giving our life to him by faith. That's what makes or breaks. And oftentimes, it's on the stony ground that's the battle. So again, again, Unbelief is that which is negative. You, uh, uh, I guess, just so, it's just so negative that it keeps you from fellowship with God. You get an attitude of, uh, I'm so happy. I gave it all to Christ. Oh, I am so happy about that. Oh, that is great. But when trials, come because of that decision. And you begin to reconsider. And you don't want to turn. Maybe you don't want to turn from your sin. Maybe you don't want that sin out of your life. Maybe you don't want to be separated from the world. Oh, we made that decision because people were in church making this. People around me were making that decision. I made that decision. Well, really, what you really turned to was religion, but not to Christ. You are merely using His name, but not in a true fellowship. Now, when you look at this text, verse 3 again, Hearken, behold, there went out a sower to sow. And it came to pass, as he sowed, some fell by the wayside and the powels of the air came and, and devoured it up. You know, there's nothing there that indicates at all the sower wasted his time or the seed. There's nothing that says that he did that. He sowed the seed. We're not told that all the seed was devoured, but that seem like quite a bit of it was devoured, doesn't it? But you look at verses 14 and 15 of this chapter chapter of Mark 4. The sower soweth the word. See, that seed is the word of God. It is never wrong to sow the word because they have a free will that they can accept it or reject it. Have you ever heard somebody say, you know, they got to let up? They're just going to drive those people away from God. How can you drive them any further than hell? It's not that you're driving them away, it's they are rejecting the word. You don't give up on a soul. Never give up. Do you realize all the seed that the apostles sowed, they didn't everyone get saved. Do you realize that in Jesus' ministry, we know just by his ministry, not everybody got saved listening to him. One of his disciples weren't saved. Think of that. And these are they that by the wayside, verse 15, where the word is sown, but then, you know, they've heard, when they have heard, you know, the, the sown, and then Satan cometh immediately and taketh away the word that was sown in their heart. You see, the free will can accept or reject. It. All of a sudden, they're saying, "Wait a minute! I, I didn't want this kind of a partnership and thing with God. Yeah, I want to save, be saved from going to hell, but <laughs> no, I, I, I don't want this relationship with Jesus Christ like that." See, unbelief is what breaks that. See. They never really had it. They were thinking of something of the lust of their flesh, not the forgiveness of their sins. Verse 5, some fell on stony ground where it had not much earth. And immediately it sprung up because it had no depth of earth. We've seen that in the home, in the church, and other places where we've shared the gospel with somebody and they prayed and they received Christ as their Savior. They were unsaved and they said, yes, I want to receive Him right now. And they prayed to receive Him. And they were so happy. they start off, man, I'm happy about this. You know, that first group, Satan comes by and says, hey, look, You're not going to be doing that. Look at this, look at that. Oh, wait a minute, I don't want to get saved. The seed was sown in their heart, but now they don't want to get saved because they're looking, they understand repentance is involved. You know, that first group that rejects it, at least they know that repentance is involved. We've got some cloudy headed preachers and others on the scene today that says repentance is not necessary in salvation. They have no idea then of the Word of God. This shows that even these unsaved knew. Satan says, All right, he puts all these things, just like, remember, Lee Robertson, George Reverend Shea, put all those things before them not to go that way. Well, here, on the stony ground, they begin to think about it. You get involved, then comes problems. Oh, I received Christ. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, I'm going to, man, I'm going to be serving the Lord. Problems come. Preacher hits on sin in your life that you never thought of before. Uh, then, as a Christian, you get mocked by friends, and in time, trials hit your life, troubles hit your life, and they're gone. You see, that was the sun, the fire of the devil that scorched and revealed, they really didn't have a root in their heart. They were looking for an emotion, but they weren't looking for an actual true relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And they withered away. So these are they that were sown on stony ground, who when they heard the word. Immediately receive it with gladness, but <laughs> bad experiences, death in the family, war, tragedy reveals the true person. And they have no root, verse 17 says, in themselves, and endure but a, for a time, and afterward, when affliction, or persecution arises for the Word's sake, immediately they are offended. I don't know about you, but I think it's true for every one of us. We do hit stony grounds in life that try our faith. Faith says God knows all about it. It may be hard. It may hit hard. I may feel the emotions of of fear. I may feel the emotions of tears. I may feel as if I'm rejected by man. I may feel like people are standing off from me. I may feel that I've lost something. But my faith says, I'm staying true to God because I know it's for my good. You see... There are those on the stony ground that there were other things in their heart and life that were really God's. That when that got challenged, it's just like the rich man. What lack I yet, Lord? I've kept all those commandments. Jesus said, Sell all that thou hast, give it to the poor, and come follow me, and you'll have treasure in heaven. Uh, okay, see you later, Jesus. Okay, walk away. See, Offer Jesus, I Surrender is a good song, but many times it's not meant in our heart. You see, as a Christian, if you're like me, you want revival in America. You want to see America turn back to what's right. But we've got to be willing for what's right to be true in our lives at the cost of rejection from even family, friends, so much more. But on the other hand. if You're not sure if you died today that heaven's your home. You can have that rejection. Begin to feel that rejection and say, oh, wait a minute. I'm getting out of there. I'm getting out of there. Some put their family before Christ. Some put their family first of everything. Some of their friends first of everything. Some of their jobs is first. Something else is first in their life. A desire. Something they do. I'm not willing, no, no, I'm not going to do that. What I want you to understand is this. That thing will stand as a monstrous cancer to destroy, not a body, but your very spirit. When before God you see that your rejection of Christ was based on the stones on which you depended. Oh, those rocks were good to throw. Oh, those rocks were good for something, things. But those very rocks is what kept the soil of God's Word from being taken into your heart that you may grow thereby. Now, I'm not going to do it this morning. I'll probably do it next week. But there's some things that go on across the world that hey, it's the thing. It's the thing now. Let me just give you an example. PTSD, okay, post-traumatic stress disorder. I, you know, my dad went through World War II, and a lot of people went through that. And they saw things that a lot of the ones that fought war now haven't seen. Now, they weren't talking about those things then. You know. they, they had some things. The ones that buckled under were the people that were depending on, got onto drugs and depended on drugs. But for the average man, yeah, there's some bad memories there. There's some hard things. But it didn't affect their life, their home, or anything else. They had a faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So how do you deal with things that are terrible like that as a Christian? I want you to see, we'll check that out next Sunday. But right now the most important thing is, is where are you right now? Where are you right now? Is it your will or is it God's will in your life as a Christian? But on the other hand, are you saved? Do you know beyond any shadow of a doubt that if you died today, that heaven's your home? If not, then what would seem wise and really smart to say, I'm going to put that off, and then suddenly you're taken out of this world. What before God is going to sound so smart that it was worth putting Him off? We think we're smart. We think we're intelligent. But you know what, sometimes smart and intelligence is not wisdom. That's the difference. It's time to be wise and receive Christ if you're not sure. If you died today, that heaven's your home. Don't wrestle with it any longer. Make it right today. Let's bow our heads, please.